Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies both new and old with a strictly positive, critical eye. That's right, and to avoid any lazy negativity, we're making this a drinking game. Any negative criticism about a film, or in this case a franchise, is absolutely allowed, but you will be called out for it, and you will have to take a drink every time. And that does go for our friends at home listening. Crack open a beer, sit down, have some fun with us. So, pour yourself a glass or grab that can, join us and give it up for the films we love and perhaps the films that need some love. And guys, I promise not to pull a whammy this week. I'm not going to pull a whammy on you. I <laughs> no have a decision. Whammies. I agonized over for about five hours, but I, I have a decision. Jesus. Yeah, this is going to be a tough uh, one. Da- Dave is calling back to the end of our last episode in which, a little bit of a spoiler alert, uh, both of our film franchises advanced. So we are doing what we're calling the the Corona franchise face-off, where we have we have chosen our 16 favorite trilogies or franchises um, to binge watch during the age of coronavirus while we were all separated. And um, our four-seed Toy Story went up against John Wick, and there was a split vote one-to-one. I voted in favor of John Wick, John voted in favor for Toy Story, and Dave has this very interesting metric, and he came out with a deadlocked tie. So we advanced both films, and we are going to open up our bracket to films that we snubbed, film franchises that we snubbed. That includes the Dark Knight trilogy got a snub, the Die Hard trilogy, or like a series, got a snub. Um, no, it yeah, so there's a lot of other things. I thought Die Hard so, was... So, so please stop the fucking hype Harry now. Potter. <laughs> oh my god, damn it, Die Hard's next week. Oh god, I got yeah. tired of the way. Sorry, I meant to say the Bourne franchise. Bourne, the, Bourne yeah, is, Bourne. the Bourne is not. Yeah. Uh, the Dollars trilogy for all of you classic movie lovers. Anyway, so right now, where we're at, we have our one seed, The Lord of the Rings. Two seed, Godfather. Three seed, Star Wars, all advanced. And then our four seed and our... 13 seed john wick and toy story both advanced so we have five 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 franchises going anyway so excited so excited to move on this week only one can advance but before we get into it john a couple shout outs as usual i want to throw it out to our beer sponsor carlos barozzo give him a follow at c barozzo bar 2019 that's c b a r r o z o b a r 2019 and as always the music you hear throughout this episode, beginning, middle, and end, is provided by the artist Dasein. That is Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. Follow him on soundcloud.com backslash Dasein dash artist. All right, let's, uh, let's fucking do this. I've been very nervous all day. Maybe a little bit yesterday, too, leading up to this week. I knew this was going to be a weird one. We, we keep picking, like, really fun franchises, really fun things. Um, for some reason... This week really got me. We've already said it, right? We know what we're doing this week. Hey, there's, there's, we there's, it there's an element we of have danger not involved. The films so. this week. <laughs> okay, so I'm nervous and you don't know why. Dave, why don't you tell us what films we're doing so I can release a little bit? We we have uh, we've put the entire Star Trek franchise uh, movies up against <laughs> the Back to the Future franchise. Oh god, because damn it. we're sadistic <laughs> bastards. Yeah. This Wait, is so but here's but here's the thing. Here's how this works. You know what? Just, especially in the age of whenever a movie makes money you obviously try to make as many as possible for these franchises like why wouldn't disney remake aladdin it's going to make a billion dollars why wouldn't it remake move on it's going to make a billion dollars it's really hard to tell somebody to not do something that's going to make a billion dollars and so if star trek wants to make 13 movies that's fine but they better all be good fucking movies none of which made a billion dollars none of which made a billion dollars because back to the future stopped at three 
I'm sure Michael J. Fox would have, he would have just gone insane. He would have moved and, and come up with a completely different accent and a completely different disguise that looks and sounds exactly like him. Jesus. <laughs> if they wanted to make a more... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Drink for that shit, motherfucker. Oh, my um, God. So, anyway, Star Trek <laughs> Sorry for the pause. There was a, do, do you just say what I think he said? Did he just fucking <laughs> so, make a fucking... Parkinson's? Come on. No, I did not make a... I didn't, oh wait. No, he did not. I'm going to clip this mic. I did not make a Parkinson's oh, joke. I made a reference to all of his characters in the Back to the Future movies, one of which sort of had an Irish accent. Anyway, it does better. So, much so yeah. God damn it. Oh, another drink for me. If you Guys, if you don't know, listening at home, that buzzer means that we have to drink, which means you do as well. We are going to start with our five seed which is the Back to the Future trilogy. So we will put the 13 Star Trek films off to the side, and we'll talk about them in a little bit. So check the timestamps below if you would like to jump. Who would like to get us started with Back to the Future? Oh, I'll throw it out. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, how do you not enjoy these movies? Like, it's, they're just growing up. I mean, this was like the trilogy. You know, these, these huge franchises didn't really, like, explode until more recently. Um, we're, we're, not gonna, we're not there yet, but Star Trek was one of the only ones that did, like, lots and lots and lots of films until Marvel started cranking them out, until Lucas finally started rebooting the Star Wars, until Fast and the Furious started joining the group and running away with it. So it was mostly, you know, when we were growing up, you, you had trilogies. You had Indiana Jones, which... Did not make our Wait. list. What's up, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and Back to the Future was always my favorite one. It's uh, ah, I don't know. I don't even know where to begin. This thing, this thing, does something to most people, and I think it's because it uses so much wonderful nostalgia in the first one to create and develop the characters. I was thinking about this and I was talking about this with my friend, like the difference between these two, you know, very different kinds of franchises. Uh, Back to the Future makes you really care about Marty McFly and Doc and Marty's whole family. And I think the vehicle, especially with the first one of using it, the the nostalgia and the, the period of going back and getting to hang out with this, his and like date his mom as fucking weird as that shit is <laughs> I feel like there was just no chance but for by the end of it by the time you get to two can be a little sticky for some people I still really like that one three is a lot of fun I like that it kind of goes back and mostly features Doc I feel like two is mostly about Marty one is mostly about Marty I'm glad that three balances out with a lot about Doc and his perspective by the time you finish these three movies you you're, you love going on the journey back to the future or back from the past. It doesn't really matter which direction they're going in because you love them so much. You just want to hang out with them and listen to Doc's antics and see what Marty's going to be freaking out about and waiting for somebody to call him chicken. <laughs> you're, just, you're just so invested in these characters. So, I don't know, that really struck me the most this time when I was when I was giving them a rewatch that I, uh, I was worried kind of coming into it that because it leaned so heavily on nostalgia and stuff that I was going to feel like it was a little devicey that it was using that to its credit too much but as long as it created more reasons to care about the characters i found i don't know i found myself really 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 loving it by the time you get to the end of the third one 
you're really sad that there isn't a fourth or a fifth or a sixth or a seventh one, which there never will be as long as Robert no. Zemeckis and Bob They're Gale like, no, are alive because those two dudes still own the rights. So, and they have said that they are never going to release it as long as they're alive. They will never release the rights. So, and I can I, I can tell you I I even from from a reboot I could never see anyone doing this until recently. Did you see the deep fake video that was going around recently? No. Somebody got Back to the Future the hallway scene um, with Marty and Doc and deep faked Tom Holland and Robert Downey Jr. into it. And I I must admit <laughs> I hit I, I hit I hit play on that and my reaction was like. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that could yeah, work. That, that could work. That could work. <laughs> but still, no, no. Yeah. Buzz myself. <laughs> yeah, still no, right? I don't. I don't think anybody wants nice. that to happen. What do you guys think? How do you feel no. about it? Dave. No, we. You don't want that to happen. Like the, they stopped at three and respect. Mm-hmm. The, it was, a great trilogy. I remember seeing these all in the cinema when I was younger. My favorite was number two. Yeah, me too, uh, dude. Because That's my I favorite. was obsessed with the future as a kid. Also, just the sheer amount of in jokes that they managed to throw in, like recurring jokes over many different time periods. Yeah. The character duplications, like Michael J. Fox as a woman. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, there's like so much in these films, and there's so much to go back and look for. Like, you don't notice that, like, Doc Brown rode, a, rode behind himself in the first one. And stuff like that like he's they've already set up the fact that they messed with the few like the time period in the yeah. second movie in the first movie yeah so somebody somebody sat down and drew all this stuff out and was it just did it amazingly and i think that's one of the other things i like is when films are clever like that yeah this script let's let's throw it out to them for saying that this script was rejected for the first one 44 times before it was finally greenlit and they changed actors and they changed actors after they was already greenlit. Yeah. They were shooting. Yeah, but, uh, they were halfway through shooting, and uh, they yeah, Mar- Marty McFly was originally Eric Stoltz, and they yeah. it wasn't working, and they had a very awkward discussion and went, nope, we're gonna get Michael J. Fox in after all. Yeah, and didn't they didn't didn't they he got he got let go after dailies right where they hadn't even mixed audio in, so it's literally just like watching him without audio. I think is where they, they were like Wait a they second. were they were like I think fifteen days into the shoot. By mm-hmm. this point, um, and, and Michael J. Fox. Made, this is a famous story too, because he was still shooting um, Family Ties. Ties. Growing Pains. Family Ties. Great. Yeah. Thank you, guys. <laughs> so he, was, they, he was still shooting Family Ties, and so they had to work around each other's schedule. Like it was like a scheduling nightmare to get yeah, him. That, yeah, that's why most of uh, Back to the Future happens at night. Yeah. Because he was on Family Ties during the day, and then he'd go to the set for Back to the Future at night and film all night. Ugh. Apparently, there are a couple. Um, there is one shot where you still see Stoltz. Uh, Apparently, it's the scene in the diner in the first one, I think, where uh, the first time he punches Biff and it stolts his hand and Biff's close up getting oh, punched cool. in the face. And they left that one in. <laughs> and I think there's an over the shoulder or something that is similar. What, but what, are, what, are, the, what are the sag rules for that? Does he still get a credit? Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. Somebody <laughs> paid him for that hand, hand model. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Great. like, it's even, they're even poking fun of themselves. I mean, Steven Spielberg was involved in these. In, a lot mm-hmm. and this there's a joke a bit in there about jaws in part two where like this the, the yeah. cg shark comes at him and he's screaming his head off and then the shark disappears and he's like yeah the shark still looks fake like they're poking fun of themselves <laughs> they're poking fun at everyone well, else it's a ridiculous time jaws. travel movie oh. <laughs> the time the time the, the tagline for jaws is this time it's really really personal i think is what it was like jaws nine <laughs> yeah, or 19 18, or something i think it was 18 or something yeah 
Um, like this thing has almost as many Easter eggs in Toy Story. Like just follow yeah. the progression of like Mayor Goldie Williams through it. This is, okay. <laughs> I don't know. The I don't principle. know how to start off. As, so for, first things first things first. The first film, the first Back to the Future film. There's really not much we can say about it because it is a timeless classic the entire opening one shot one that has no special effects they basically mm-hmm. designed this as if it was the number one science project in the country was how you can open a can of dog food honestly it's something it's like a quarantine challenge oh, can you pull yeah. off the opening one that ends with michael j fox's feet and then it and then he has the skateboard and the nikes and then it like pans up to him like if you could figure that out during quarantine kudos to you the internet will love you it was a lot of practical stuff and it was it's perfect. So I don't have much to say about that. As far as rewatching all three, which I did, we'll talk later about Star Trek and thirteen films. But I did rewatch all three of these, and I mean they're so good that we watched. I watched one with Chloe, and immediately we were like, we want to start two right away. Um, I don't. I truly, it is an anomaly. I don't understand how these three movies didn't turn into the corniest, cheesiest pieces of of garbage because every single movie they're like 20 lines that are repeated through these movies Mm. they have scenes that you see three different times throughout the films um they use footage from the first one and the second and three from different angles so they're obviously doing reshoots or and like you're wrapping your head around it somewhere into the the actual logistics of whether or not this could work out you can tell they sort of like yada yada it over because like as soon as doc brown reads for instance as as soon as Doc Brown reads in the news that he's going to die, that's technically Doc after that point. So he immediately should know to prevent his future death. You know what I mean? So like they start mm, to get, that's a, the get at it. No. <laughs> Apparently Carl Sagan really liked the first one, but they're, they're, they're st- they start to get a, as far as like the actual time. Yada, yada, yada. It doesn't matter. Ultimate, what my point is, I don't know why these are so fucking fun to watch. And yeah. as to John's point, it has to just be Marty and Doc. And you kind of want to give credit to everybody, but um, Crispin Glover, who plays the father, who plays George McFly, the there's a contract one. dispute. There's I, no shade. I'm not blaming him in any way, shape, or form. But for whatever reason, he got a lowball offer for two. He didn't take it. Um, and then he ended up having to sue them because they used footage from the first movie and apparently he didn't give them permission. They had to create a SAG clause about whether or not you can use a person's likeness from the first movie and the next movie if they turn it down. Re our conversations about Independence Day with Will Smith turning that down and other situations. So like Why the third they make movie. A big portrait of Crispin Glover and hang it up in the... Oh my God, I know. <laughs> I, well, I feel bad for Biff because even though after the second movie, they probably should have cut their losses right there with him. I mean, how many more, how much, he, he can't have a voice anymore after filming that second movie. He was just <laughs> screaming all of his life. Apparently old means you scream as if you've smoked a cigar for the past yeah. five years. Yeah. Um, anyway, long story short, I really, it's really just Marty and, and the doc going, yeah, the, yeah, Marty's mom's there, but it's just Marty and doc in the third movie. And that's actually my second favorite after the first one the, number two just gets a little too muddled the plot gets a little crazy and then the last 30 minutes of i know i know i know and the last 30 <laughs> minutes though there's actually nothing to look forward to because you know it's going to work out so it's basically like if you leave for a second what did i miss no he's still just doing the same thing like anyway <laughs> did you want number two or number three the last 30 minutes number no sorry i'm getting jumbly here number two the last 30 minutes of I number mean, it two is it's time just travel. this it's just the sequence to get the comic book pretty much for bip and not mess up 
the past. Number three is the which, same Which, again... Number three, they're all, yeah, but, they all but have number, a finale, but, like a 20, 30-minute sequence at the end. It's, no, number, but number three is different because you don't know whose name is going to be on the tombstone. And even though that's a very simple thing, it could be one of three people. So there is some... The outcome does matter. Whereas with Marty, it's basically like, don't fuck this up. The last 30 minutes of the movie is, hey, Marty, don't fuck this up. Yeah. Um, and it's just not as thrilling for me. But seeing ahead the best part about three is number two is basically all about what is the future going to be like this is basically like uh let's pretend the future is like this instead of skateboards it's hoverboards instead of um instead of glasses you wear these special eye things that you have like lenses that tell you what's going on elsewhere you can read the news on it basically what we have as a cell phone they wear it on their eyes and then the third movie is in the deep west but there's no effects so it's it's just really it's Again, I don't know why these movies are so entertaining, but they really, really fucking are. And they're great to watch in a row. They really are good to watch, one through three. I mean, I think you get to... I know these weren't his first. Let me double check that right now. But Robert Zemeckis is probably my favorite like commercial film director, especially from, from that period. Um, this was when he really exploded, right? This was before Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Let me just double check that really fast there. Yeah. Uh, Back to the Future was 1985, right? Five. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, so Who Framed Roger Rabbit was right after that in 88. So Romancing the Stone is awesome. Uh, people, yeah. people knew him from that, that before. So that was good. But then he really exploded with this. And I mean, he's just been dominating since then. I remember I used to th- be confused. Side note, Rom- Romancing the Stone just hit streaming too. That's another good watch. It's a really good oh, cool. watch. I really mm. like that movie. Um, yeah, I like him the most. He's definitely my favorite big commercial filmmaker. And it is not easy to do that job. I don't even like Spielberg is the other monster one. I like Zemeckis more consistently than I like Spielberg. But I think after those two established what that kind of thing looks like, I think you consistently see people trying to imitate both of them over and over and over again. Mm. We see people trying to make huge, successful movies. And it comes down to to craft and storytelling. I think exactly what you're talking about. The reason this doesn't evolve into some cheesy thing where it's just the device. Um, we were all kind of talking with each other, podcast listeners, about how we're all a little frustrated with Westworld right now because you don't give a shit about anybody anymore. And you feel like you're just watching these devices and these storytelling things play on themselves and you don't care about the people uh, <laughs> fuck it yeah i'm frustrated yeah it's a buzzer like, not chewbacca yeah i feel like he does not he's too good at filmmaking to let that happen he he knows that it doesn't matter if he has that amazing wonder that opens each of the movies if you don't give a shit about who it, that wonder eventually lands on Right. right. Also, like, you, also like you look at the fact he was given nineteen million dollars to make Back to the Future. Wow. That was the budget of that film. Wow. And he's pulled out. He's pulled out something that has better rewatchability than almost anything that comes out today. Yeah. The most helped. famous car in movie history. And they use, you know, they yeah. use the effects where they're supposed to use the effects. ILM definitely was on board with this, and that that mattered. He put the money where it needed to be used, and you're right. He he crafted a film technically so that. Wherever money needed to be spent on special effects, it was spent. Otherwise, mm. it was spent on very classic storytelling techniques. Yeah. And on the, the story was about something. Yeah, 350. 
Why would you live there, Loch Ness Monster? <laughs> That's South Park. <laughs> I almost spat my beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you saw it, right? <laughs> I saw that Loch Ness Monster. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I think it. I think it works because, because, honestly, honestly, he is he is that good. And not to harken back to the things we were talking about with Star Wars, but I think one reason those movies seems to feel like where is the unifying thing? Well, there's not one person at the helm that knows that does that job the best every single time. And of course, that's not totally fair because there's only three of these. But I have just I have just enjoyed everything he's made since these and before. And he just never seems to miss. And it's so fun to go back and watch these movies. And you're right, especially at these, especially the first one. You get to see him working with smaller budgets and you just realize it, it doesn't matter if he had 20 or $200 million, he knows how to make a movie based on the story and the script that is in his hand to the best of his ability for a very wide audience. Everybody can enjoy this kind of movie. And it almost, it's also, almost keep, enigmatic keep in mind to me. Every single ending, every single ending to this these movies is perfect. Yeah. Like the story's over and you get this little coda where Doc turns up and goes, it's your kids, something's got to do down there about your kids, which leads into a whole second movie. Uh, they didn't have that written at that point. They like that one line generated right. that entire film. I mean, the second the and third the ones. First movie. Yeah, yeah. The second and third ones were shot at the same time. So yeah, the ending of the first one, uh, third, second one, sorry, led straight into the third one. But again, wow. it's the same deal. Like you've just seen this thing explode in midair, and all of a sudden someone comes out of nowhere and delivers a letter, and it's like the ending is the perfect thing to feed you, to bring you straight onto the next story. Yeah, eat your and, heart out. Yeah. Twenty four. I mean, honestly, yeah. really. <laughs> I know. And and back to, and back to John Wick. What that means is that the beginning of Back to the Future One to the end of Back to the Future Three is two weeks, three weeks, something no, like no, that. No. Yeah, it's about no, two. no. The end Four of weeks? the end of Back to the Future One to three. Oh, so mm. it's two weeks then, because he has a week basically in that future. It's like a two days. Yeah, yeah well, that's that's going to get into us having a conversation of it's a time actually, Matt, because there's literally no time passes from the end of one to three. Exactly. <laughs> right? Oh, so, yeah. no, from one to two, and then two to three. There is. Oh, no, I see. No, what you're one to three. There's yeah. no time that passes. All right, yeah. how, how many days is he in? Right. Is he in number two? No, he's in five days in number three. Exactly. Five days in number like, three. Yeah, he's five days in each. I think it's five in each, but it's actually the same. In yeah, all right, all right. We're, we're having fun. Yeah, fifteen, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, man, I like it. How about um, the, the acting? Tom Wilson as Biff just blows my mind, dude. How yeah. much fun did and that guy get to have in all those movies? In, in reportedly the, the nicest right? guy on set too. That's his name, right? Tom, Thomas F. Wilson. Thomas yeah. F. Wilson. Yeah. I would say, I mean, in the first one especially. Number three, the dude. He's so good as Tannen in number three. The whole way through, yeah. Yeah. Tan, yeah, that's actually probably my favorite Biff. Is, when he's is screaming, when he's doing the, when he's doing the, I'm going to give you the count of ten to get out here. And he's counting yeah, yeah, and yeah. he gets to six. And, and he looks he over at his friends and just hold on. So, seven! Right. <laughs> I mean, God, all the, you're right. All the actors, you get to seeing them pop up again. When the, sh when the uh, sheriff who plays the principal in the first one is like yeah. telling his little kid at the time about discipline. It's like, he's quoting yeah. himself from number one. I mean, how, <laughs> yep. do the, how does that not turn into something that's just like a little device and cheesy? How does that work? Is it, what is it? Exactly. 
I mean, it, it falls on the same you. thing. What, about, like, where, <laughs> what do you think? It, no, no, it falls on the same thing where you're in on the joke. It's like you, you're mm. taking this journey with him. So they're making this reference that this guy's already made. And you're like, oh, yeah, I was paying attention. I saw that before. I'm in on this joke. So yeah. you're included. So right. it includes you in the joke yeah. as it goes through. There's things like um, Twin Pines Mall. The really, yep. if you yep. want to get the really subtle ones, when he jumps in the car after the guy shoots the shoots at the car and he drives off and he runs down one of the pines and the guy screams, my pine! And you go, when they go back, the name of the mall's changed to Lone Pine Mall. Right. Oh, like, yeah. like there's all these little jokes Speaking for you. of, uh, you're totally right. And I think the performances are probably one of the big reasons why it never feels cheesy. You always feel like you're there with them. You're mm. in on the joke. I totally agree with that. And it never feels like anyone could have said that. It was just the line. They were just trying to get the joke across. Like it came through with the characters. Real little quick little anecdote about the Twin Fine Small. Bob Gale, one of the, he was the co-writer with Zemeckis, claims that uh, on October 26, 1985, a group of people showed up at the mall used to film the Twin Pines Mall to see if Marty McFly would arrive in his DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, that's oh, so yeah. I mean, Com- Companies spent millions of dollars trying to develop a, holo- a hoverboard by 2015. I know. They almost succeeded, yeah. but it needed a magnetic Atari's core, name was it, on they, the yeah. Atari's name was on it. Atari, right? Atari was on the hoverboard. And so people would call them up, or maybe it was Mattel, shit. And yeah. then so people would call up the company and be like, are these available yet? Like, we'll pay whatever. Like, we'll get the hoverboards. And they're like, no. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. You guys also, did. why would you? Also, why would you skate them like a skateboard? Why would you do that? Why would we invent that? Why would we make you go on one leg on a hoverboard? I remember 2015. I remember how disappointed everybody was when we were all like, "Damn it, this is not even close to number two. Yeah. <laughs> we don't, oh, we yeah. just aren't here, dude." All, all we got was the size adjusting sneakers. Uh, yeah. yeah, and we still don't even have the auto lacing sneakers. Yeah. Does that does that take anything away from it from y'all uh, away from it for you guys that that I know it's not sincere it's not two thousand one space odyssey but a lot of the really good earlier sci fi Star Trek well, which we'll get there it's two thousand one there are a lot of things that they they fucking nailed with their predictions on technology and um, they really I don't know you know chicken or the egg if people in technology actually mm. took their cue from you know engineering wise and made stuff based on those shows but some of that shit really did stick and it was a very good prediction almost nothing sticks in these movies does that take anything oh, away from no. it for you guys uh, not at all it, it does uh, it does make it a little bit more two is not my favorite let's put it that way <laughs> isn't, there a, isn't, there, isn't there a wall-sized television inside their house isn't there like yes. a tire wall, like mm-hmm. Barney from How I Met yeah. I guess that's okay. The yeah. giant, yeah. giant, giant televisions. That wasn't. Yeah, he gets fired over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> that's good. And by facts and everything else in the house. Oh man. Um. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, we we didn't get too specific about each movie. We're just kind of talking about them generally. But I feel like that. That's the thing about these movies. We watch in what we're talking about with the trilogies and franchise face off, where it's like we're we're talking about these as the full franchises. The first one could have been a classic on its own, would have been one of the most um, rewatchable movies of all time, which it is. I watched it in the park in New York City for they do like the free park series, and I mean. Yeah, there were thousands of people who showed up who were screaming when like curtain you know people were getting entrance applauses and it was really cool all the lines like where we're going we don't need roads you know just like raucous mm. applause 
but watching them in sequence really did have an added sentimental value, especially by the time they get to third. And I was like, oh, great, Doc has a love interest. And then by the end of the movie where you're like, wait, is Doc going to stay or go? That actually really mattered to me. Whereas at the end of the second one, I didn't really have a dog in the fight other than don't fuck this up. It was like, what is going to happen to Doc? What is he going to choose? Either way works for me. And I was just like really hanging on for the ride to see what he would choose. Also, the other reason um, this really, really works is because you've got a completely outlandish character paired with almost the perfect straight man. So yeah. no matter how yeah. ridiculous Doc gets, as long as Marty's like, what? And then in yeah, the third, the way in the third they kind of flip it. Yeah. So Marty gets yeah. a little more outrageous. Yeah, totally like he's running around claiming to be Clint Eastwood, who they asked permission to use That's his name, so by the way. Funny. They had to uh this is the best yeah. part about having Spielberg on board. I'm sure he I'm sure he also called Clint Scorsese and went, we, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he called I'm sure he called Scorsese and said, Hey, we want to do a you talking to me moment in the mirror. Is that okay? Yeah, like, I mean, I'm they sure. had to. I also yeah, love the I mean, uh, appa- there are apparently several... Clint Eastwood was quite tickled. <laughs> There's, oh sure, especially really especially good. when they said like that Clint Eastwood. People for centuries are going to say Clint Eastwood is the biggest coward to ever. Walk yeah. this part. <laughs> yeah, there's several really good homages throughout these movies, but number three has has so many. When Marty does. walks into the town of Hilldale, Hilldale, they do the Once Upon a Time in a West establishing shot. Mm-hmm. The exact, it's mm-hmm. the mirroring shot. It's the exact same thing. Obviously, all the Clint references. Uh, one of my yep. favorite lines. There's so they, many. They don't have ZZ Top play their town dance, though, do ZZ they? ZZ Top. I was still whistle that song. I've whistled that song my entire life, dude. Yeah. I, uh, like you know, you know, they were the band, right? In the yeah, in the yeah, dance scene, yeah, they were, they were the band. Yeah. Um, that guy in the saloon that talks like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Run for fun. What the hell kind of fun is that? I mean, God, this that shit is so funny. funny. And yeah, I don't know. It was uh, all right. Yeah. You. I mean, all right, we haven't talked about this yet. We, How about Alan okay. Silvestri's theme? I mean, oh, the, iconic, the fucking yeah. iconic dude. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's a theme. It's not the whole score. He has two themes that he yeah. uses in this didn't, movie. Didn't they use a brief sample of the theme in A Million Ways to Die in the West as well? Did they really? The Seth Seth MacFarlane uh, film, I, uh, and there's a there's a very brief scene where something's going on in the barn, and he opens the door to the barn, and Doc Brown's in there covering up like the time machine. He's like, "What are you doing? Oh, Nothing." I remember that. Yeah. That was one of the worst. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they John, I, I watched it with you. I don't know how we made it to the end of that movie. Yeah, I repressed that, Dave. Thanks for bringing that up. Thanks for making bringing back yeah, the thanks, trauma Dave. of that movie. My dad in Australia loved that movie. God, that was bad. Uh, this movie was good. Yeah, Alan Silvestri. He wrote a. Um, Hell of a hell of a couple themes for these things. Um, let's do favorite movie. Like, g- give me a ranking and uh, favorite line. Uh, I'm one two three for sure. Interesting. I'm one three two. I'm two one three. Wow. Oh. oh my goodness. I didn't like Mary Steenburgen. She bothered you. Oh, I thought she was nice. Yeah, I thought she was nice. She looks the same. I mean, by she, the way. she was that great when she lost. I love her in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. She's fantastic. But I just thought she was a little miscast in uh, part three. Yeah, uh, yeah. Also, why is Doc Brown creating kids at the end of these movies? Why did he? Why does he have kids? He's 80 years old. By the Honestly, end of I thought stuff. that was very fucking weird. Like, how much older is he supposed to be than her? I know he always had white hair or silver hair right. or whatever, but like. I kept thinking of, yeah, by the was, way, it kept making 30, me think of... Yeah, he was like 30 in the 50s. Do you guys remember the uh, villain in the second Ghostbusters movie? 
that comes out of the painting and he has like long yes. silver hair. Vigo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Vigo. I kept thinking of that guy. It's like, is that Doc Brown? Uh, favorite line, um, dude. You're making me reach. Yeah, just so just many. To, just to wrap it up as well, like um, the Doc Brown character wasn't originally like that. That entire performance was based on what he auditioned like. Like oh, they sure. had written the character in that manner. No, and he came, he came in and did an audition that was completely zany. And they were like, oh, wait a minute. And that's to me, that's one of the most beautiful things when you've written something and you hold an audition and someone walks in and just owns the fucking character and does something. You're like, I never actually thought of that, but that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's what you're waiting for. I right? mean, that's, that person's in your film. In. Yeah. Well, what do you think it would have been like? God, would they have tried to make it like totally sincere? Like a sincere I, scientist. I just, <laughs> I think he was, yeah, I think it was just more in like less wacky, intense. Yeah, because that first scene in the intense, um, in the first one, that mall parking lot scene is very dramatic. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I could see it have gone having gone another way. Well, mm. thank God. Can you imagine All right, anyone else playing that part? <laughs> no, I couldn't. Except <laughs> maybe uh, Robert Downey Jr. Now. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. That'd he's, be cool. He's, he's got to do something after give, Doolittle. Doolittle. I was gonna say, give him a chance after Doolittle, motherfucker. Nobody oh, saw. Oh man. Jeff, he's what are your favorite lines? I think you have some lines like, up, your shirt, up your shirt sleeve right now. Let me, let me hey, Russo's, resurrect Iron Man, I mean, please. The, the line reading of the way he says, you made the time machine out of a DeLorean? Like the way yeah. he says the line reading is really iconic. My favorite is when he sees his uncle Joey that's in prison in real yeah, time and he sees awesome. him as a baby and yeah. he's in a crib and he goes, hey, better get used to these bars, huh? That's one of my <laughs> so favorites. So stupid. Why is he so rude to this little baby? It's so funny. The I Chuck really Berry funny. moment, of course, is classic. Right. It is too this. bad that, that they wrote The Power of Love and Back in Time, I think. Definitely The Power of Love were basically written for this movie. And then the two yeah. most famous songs from the movie are Earth Angel and Johnny Be Good. <laughs> yeah. That's sentiment. Dude, anyway. It's hard to get around it. All right. Just to quickly wrap it up. So favorite line? Yeah. I don't uh, the, you made a time machine out of a DeLorean. I think I think mine's gonna be that run for fun line. I know that's fucking terrible. That <laughs> <laughs> thing always makes me laugh. I don't know. I, I'm going with the classic. It's like roads where we're going. We don't need roads. Yeah, yeah. sure. That's not fair. Yeah. Good. That's a classic. <laughs> that's great. So that's yeah, back right. to the yeah. future. We had too much fun talking about that. Obviously, you've already seen them millions of fucking times. So when we come back, we're gonna be talking Do about. It again. <laughs> All Star Trek movies. <laughs> Break yourself. And we're back. Oh we're God. back. <laughs> we're back, baby. <laughs> Yeah. Can I just clip the mic on our return? <laughs> just like, I think I saw a little bit of brain come out of John's nose. My right ear is just ruined now. Let me change the earplugs. Well, I didn't say this ahead of time, but just to remind everybody, we are recording remotely. I escaped the city a long time ago. I did not bring my microphone because I didn't realize that New York was going to become the worldwide epicenter for the coronavirus. So my audio is going to be a little subpar compared to theirs. Also, it does mean that we can mess with each other because we're not in the same room. (laughs) So my deepest apologies, friends. Not as easily anyway. We're still we're still messing with each other. (laughs) That's right. All right. All right. So we so we back to the future. Great trilogy. Now we are going to put up thirteen 
cinematic experiences up against the nostalgia flicks of Back to the Future. We are talking about Star Trek. Yeah, we were like, it's Orthodox Easter. Let's do a David and Goliath thing. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Orthodoxy. I just started watching Unorthodox on Netflix, by the way. Very interesting. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, I had no time to watch that this week while watching the 16 films. Star but... Trek. Yes. Yes. Who wants to start? So Dave knows the most about Star Trek. Did not start with me. (laughs) No one will get a word in. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, So Dave's also drinking really uh, high alcohol beers. So we're going to try to get him to buzz himself as much as possible during the segments. All right, first. Um, John, let's start start with you. Yeah, first let me just, just for everyone so we'll be on the same page, I am just going to reel off very quickly all 13 films. So everyone knows what we're talking about because anyone who knows the Star Trek universe or particularly for those of you who don't know, The movie started after the original series ended. So there are some movies with the original cast. There are some with some of the original cast and the new next generation cast. And then there's the recent ones, the the trilogy from recently, which is a whole different alternate universe. Yeah. Yeah. So just very quickly, here we go. Star Trek, the original motion picture, Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan, three, the search for Spock, four, the voyage home, five, the final frontier, six, the undiscovered country, seven generations, Eight, First Contact, Nine, Insurrection, Ten, Nemesis. And then you have these new ones. Star Trek from 2009, Star Trek Into Darkness, 13, Star Trek Beyond, 2016. That is a lot, a lot of movies, which, and very unlike the Marvel Universe, unlike Fast and the Furious, these are very detached, you know, over a large period of time. Some of these things were not influenced at all by the others in terms of production staff, in terms of the companies that were actually making them, the individuals who were in charge of the creative teams for each of these films. So I guess I kind of wanted to kick this off by saying, because I was the guy who was such a stickler when we were talking about the Star Wars movies, that I really felt that, I really felt that, and I still feel that with the Star Wars movies, it doesn't work that they feel so different, the three different iterations. (laughs) Yeah, I'll fuck you again. Fuck that shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Star Trek movies for me, there are some, and certainly, especially the older ones, there are some that are not as good as the ones that are good. But the fact that the different generations are so different, that doesn't bother me at all for these. I think it they work nicely in very different ways. I think they feel very different. The old ones definitely have that, that Star Trek thing that the old uh, original series had and some of the series from the 90s had, which is that they are there. The action is in the thinking like, you know, they're on the bridge quite a lot talking to each other about how they're going to solve this problem. Whereas the new ones are character driven action movies, they're character driven action comedies. You know, they have and, and they both work for me. I don't really care that the older ones feel dramatically different than the new ones. The, the best of the old ones, I enjoy in a very different way than the new ones. And I love that. I love that I have, out of this giant Star Trek universe of all these fucking series and, and movies that we have to choose from, it's fun that they don't all feel the exact same to me. I think that that is one thing that I actually ended up taking away, which I know sounds like the exact opposite of what I was saying about Star Wars, but... This is just one of those things where I don't know if I could explain it to you, but it works here and it didn't work for me in Star Wars and it works now. I don't know. What, what do you think, Dave? Do you agree with that? I mean, yeah. It's, it, also, there's 
I mean, there's a slightly different message in a lot of this stuff for you to take away. There's there's like environmental messages. There's there's the like the creation message. There's like every story deals with a different aspect of what man is striving for and what they're yearning for. And that's what Star Trek always did. It took social like things and like man's pursuits and all that sort of thing and shone it up against the science fiction background. And I think that's why it works because everything in every one of those movies, with the exception of a couple, has a little something of you in it. It's like yeah. it's something that you've thought about or something that you're pondering yourself or, you know, some social injustice that you're, you've been exposed to. And, I feel like that's why the series itself works. They like, sadly, we can't get into what the series series did. Yeah, um, which, is which great. was some of the biggest, like some of the biggest pioneering stuff in the history of television. Yeah, but like, yeah, as far as the movies go, they are an extension of that. I agree, dude. I like what you said. I want to, I want to, I want to spin off that for a second. I think my <clears throat> my favorite aspect of sci-fi in general. I'm a huge sci-fi nerd, and whenever people pull this off correctly, it just works. It just it just lands. It's the point of the genre, and you just made it so beautifully. When you play by the rules correctly, according to this genre, it teaches you more about, by learning about the differences in the universe from you and them, you learn more about yourself. So going into this world of exploration, this universe of exploration, with this mission of peaceful scientific, ethical understanding of how everything else works, that everything and everyone has a right to exist, automatically turns the mirror and makes them feel like they become more alive. Now, I was talking with my friend who watched two of these with me recently, leading up to this week, and we were talking about how different the series are, the, these recent trilogy, which I still, I, mm-hmm. I, I still will say that those are more character-driven, and I still love those movies. But she was making the point that, you know, the old ones aren't as character driven. And but I think you just brought it home for me. I was like, yeah, but why do I still feel so attached to them? It's because they realize that by playing by the rules correctly, you don't have to know every single detail and backstory of every single of member of those crew, uh, the crew members, because every time that they go into another episodic story, whether it's in a movie or the series, but I know we're talking about the movies, it automatically makes you realize that the most important thing is that they have humanity. So it's almost like a, a they're painting with a really wide brush there. And within mm-hmm. that scope of humanity, you can always find yourself. And I think that's why Star Trek fans love this fucking world so much is because there is room for all of us. We don't have to choose if we want to be the Jedi or the something specific, it, it doesn't matter in Star Trek. Everything has a right to exist and everything will and always feel like it exists even more at the end of each story because of what they've the learned about the of the good guys. Yet yeah, the bad guys all, all share a trait of some societal flaw. Yes. Some ethical or moral flaw. Yeah. And it's usually mirror, you know, it's usually measured against human standards, but it's, it's their thing that seems to be holding them back. And it almost always ties back in. They, they love throwing in the details of we were like that four or 500 years ago. They always try to like, they'll give you like a throw in some anecdotal little detail about when we fought a war about that 400 years ago. 
Do you mean we like the Vulcans or we like Earthlings? We like humans. humans. Yeah, yeah, like Earthlings. Yeah. Earthlings, good call. Not humans, Earthlings. <laughs> so yeah, that's, Earthlings. that's it for that's me, right. big time. I, I don't feel, um, especially the old generation, Captain Kirk and the crew, you want to come back to that world over and over and over again. And I love, and um, I did want to make this point, in Beyond, the third one, of this recent one, the third Chris Pine, J.J. Abrams movie that Justin Lin directed, by the way. Um, It opens with a wonderful captain's log where they have been in their five-year journey for three years. And Chris Pine's Captain Kirk is talking about how it's beginning to feel episodic and it's beginning to feel mundane. And he can't tell the difference between one day or the next, that it's just the the same actions of there's something to do today with the mission. We do that. We go to sleep. We wake up. There's no personal growth. There's no mirror that is constantly pointing back to him. And I thought it was such a lovely callback to, to the, the reason why the original ones work so well is that within that realm of episodic storytelling, there is there, there might not be tons and tons of character progression individually, but there is tons of room for the fans to feel like they are growing with with the crew. So it's why you always want to come like back. As well, we just inspired something really cool. Everyone stuck at home in quarantine, start your own captain's log. Oh, <laughs> shit, dude. That's good. That's good. Start your own captain's log. We'll publish them all at the end of this when we all get free, set free again. Oh, my God. That is wonderful. Um, let me, let me tell you about my Star Trek journey. So I actually would see the series on TV occasionally, and it always felt like people were having a conversation that I had no part of at all. Like, I was so disconnected. I didn't know what Vulcans were. I didn't know... Um, I didn't know who were the good guys, who were the bad guys, why everybody had different colors, why the costumes looked like that. Um, I just... I didn't get it at all, because I never really tried. And... And also, I, I for some reason I was like, well, I'm a Star Wars guy, but I never really gave the I never gave the original Star Trek series or movies a chance. And then when JJ was directing the remake, and I was like, okay, cool, let's give it a shot. It was it was just a really good story. I mean, it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around if you like Star Wars, which pretty much almost anybody does, right? Because for some reason, fantasy and sci-fi, for just those phrases, kind of polarize people for whatever reason. Um, but if you but everybody likes Star Wars, and if you like Star Wars. Don't say Star Trek is, is I don't understand how you can not like it at all, right? So if you just sit back and watch, it's a pretty good story and there's pretty good storytelling and the effects are awesome and the idea, the possibility for me, the thing that I, I attach to the most is just the idea of um, higher consciousness and in connecting differently. Like we can't even connect on right now on Earth to people from a different state or a different country, let alone a different planet. Like, how does this federation go from planet to planet to talk to each other? I think that's actually way more interesting than it is, like, nerdy or passive or anything. Um, and so I really, really liked this trilogy, this this new series. So going back to the beginning, I was very curious. I will say I did not love the first one. It's not one <laughs> um, of the better ones. You're, no, we'll all drink to that. That is not a very good movie. <laughs> honest, honestly, like, I, I I swear I watched it and I don't remember much about How it. How long I, did I, it take them to dock so this is, into the first spaceship? No, no, this is, this is what I said. This is what I said. Here we go. So this is the motion picture. This is 1979. So just so everybody can wrap their heads around this, this is two years after Star Wars, 1979, after the series had ended. I said, no, nice opening with the Klingons attacking something. It's good. You introduce the villains first. Guess who else does that? Star Wars. It's like, this is cool. I'm on board. The effects aren't as good, but they probably killed at the time. I believe they won Oscars. I'm sorry. It literally looks like... 
it looks like a laser light show, but they're in space. And I was like, this is, this is not, this didn't, it didn't age well. And then they do a 20 minute opening of when you see the enterprise, like the enterprise and it shows it from every angle. It literally, honestly, I can't believe they weren't, um, documenting it with a voice like the way they would the International right. Space Station. The, and like, Jeff, I can tell you that is the biggest flaw of the movie series um, in that that build-up to the reveal of that ship was for the Trekkies. Yeah. It wasn't for anyone coming sure. in cold. Yeah. That was for the people who were like, they're putting the Enterprise on a cinema screen. So yeah. they built to it and they built to it and they did that build right. because they knew those guys would be right on the edge of their seat, almost falling yeah. in the row, spilling their popcorn, waiting for right. this fucking ship to come around the corner. The film looked great. The special effects, you're right, but the actual filming, like the color, yes. that first movie yeah, might the be the best good. looking of all of the and old it, generation movies. It had a good poster. I'm sure a lot of people saw it on Asset and loved it. If there was it. ever a generalized criticism, it's that a lot of the films do rely on the series to get you there. Well, well I... Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so fine. We, we get on with it. Kirk is back, et cetera, et cetera. And then they go into a cloud, which is not a black hole, but it has similar qualities where you can't transmit radio in and out. They have to go into this uncharted territory that the Federation probably wouldn't let them go. So in. There's probably Klingons. Slowly. I can't tell you how long they went through this cloud. Honestly, think about it. Like, like they're going through like a vortex, right? So it's like, you're, uh, <laughs> you're in space. What, was. what was that? You think it was a and everything, everything is swirling around them. And I'm like, you think you see something at the end. I'm like, oh, there it is. And then they keep cutting back to the bridge and then they cut to what they're looking at and the bridge. You're talking about cut. when they're and inside like, the cloud. I'm right? like, are you fucking kidding You're me? Talking yeah, about when they're in the cloud. I, when they're like, actually, I alien. I forgot we were in a cloud. It was so long. <laughs> That's original yeah. series editing 101. Yeah. Take it, your time. When in doubt, it was take your time. 45 cut, minutes. Cut to, cut to the enemy outside. Cut back to Captain oh Kirk God. with some music that may or may not have been from this episode. The person composed it may not have watched what was going right. on. But I like the world building. I like the way they're bringing all these characters together. But God, I could the, the story. I couldn't get it on board. Whereas the next movie is is the Wrath of Khan, which is two. That, and yeah, you rec- you would recommend that I see that. Yeah. And also because if you look at the the new the newer trilogy, the Khan movie is the second one, which is um, Star the, uh, Trek Into Darkness. Into Darkness. Into Darkness. Yeah. And Be- and Benedict's Cumberbatch, like everybody knew he. Was, I didn't even know who Khan was, and everybody was like, "It's Khan. He's Khan. You can't tell. Yeah. Me. It's a mysterious character." They're like, "Yeah, Khan," which is also the second movie of this trilogy. It's the second movie originally, and they sort of dim down a lot of the space travel effects, a lot of the like outside the space crack effects. And it becomes this story mostly taking place between the two spaceships. And then this one, is it a space station where they're, where they're working on Genesis? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? I think they're building mm-hmm. it. Um, space, yeah. It's a planet. Space, but yeah. this movie, so Genesis, obviously like the Bible, it's, it's basically like the creation of life and, and they're trying to cultivate to see if they can create life from scratch. Um, since we obviously as, as whatever species can blow up planets, can we build life from, from scratch? And it was an underground project that even most people in the Federation didn't know, including, um, Kirk. And it is such a good idea because Khan just wants to destroy everything. He's kind of like a Joker figure of Batman. Like he just, he's, he's taking revenge specifically on Kirk, but it does seem like he's out for blood everywhere. Um, he's also a super creature that was basically created to be of higher consciousness, um, and a superior being, which I think Benedict probably does better. But at, in the original movie, he's just like an awesome human villain. And 
the idea of of creation versus destruction and where life begins where it ends and and high, again higher consciousness what does it mean to be superior um to one another to each other it, i think it was it was so interesting the movie was really really gripping it was and really number compelling. two and number two, Khan, I think, is their first time. You feel it a little bit, number one, but I think number two is the first time where they really settle into, like, it feels this way a lot in the original series, Not even maybe even more so beginning with number two with Khan. It starts to really feel like Shakespearean theater. Like, it well, is dialogue-driven, ham, furniture, yeah. prop-chewing, storytelling, dude. And, and, <laughs> like, then like, well, and then they're like, let's go the whole hog Shakespearean and get Picard. Yeah. Yeah, Picard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but so the third so whatever um Spock dies at the end of 2 and then of course he comes back because they made 13 of these movies and how the fuck can they make 11 more without their second best character uh, probably their best character. Um Yeah, I would say but best the character. Six, I'm going to jump to 6. I'm going to jump to 6. Also yeah. in con and then in 6. 6 is called The Undiscovered yeah, for Country. The, for the love and- of God, skip 5. Mm. Yeah. So six, which you also um, pushed me towards, uh, the undiscovered country. Obviously, it's a Hamlet quote. It's, it's, it's the to be or not to be. Such a good one. And so who do they, and so who do they get to be the villain in the Shakespeare movie? It's Mr. Christopher Von Plummer, Trapp, dude. Fucking Von who, By the way, <laughs> his final when he goes to be. Or not. It's like that his, whole ending like sequence. His death line is that ending so sequence when they're when they're cutting back and forth between him firing torpedoes. Right. Every single time right. they cut back to him, he's quoting Shakespeare. It's another Shakespeare it's, line. It is so good. <laughs> so anyway, I, we we didn't mean to be too plotty about these, but between two and six, especially because six to be or not to be basically is obviously deliver you die. The reason we are alive is because we're afraid of what happens after death, which is the undiscovered country. Right after death is the undiscovered country. We're so afraid of that that we'd rather suffer on earth now than venture to the beyonds um etc 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 so two and, and six really bring up existentialism and that whole existential crisis we have of does it matter what if does does destiny matter at all are we important or are we not the universe is going to go on without us so do we really need to put so much effort or pressure on this does legacy matter all of these questions that they ask in these two movies are done in really really deeply involved plots that are interesting also the klingons are the um villains in star trek for those of you who don't know much about star trek and the 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 klingon basically in one it opens with the klingons in one film in six it basically becomes a peace treaty between the klingons and and uh, human uh, i guess earthlings and federation and um that obviously goes awry um but it's basically like mortal enemies trying to come together at peace and it brings up mm. all these questions that i'm sure are very relevant to everybody now i, I they were it, really, it's I also really it's so like the, the guy who hates them the most ends up having to argue for the peace treaty yeah that's really cool too yeah and and trying to save the life of the um the ambassador the president of the klingons is mm-hmm. that the pre- no the president yes. well the chancellor of the klingons and they eventually save the president of the the united federation yeah. of planets Again, I mean, these are big questions. These are gigantic questions that like sci-fi does so well. And, you know, uh, sci-fi doesn't have to be scary for it to be, for it to work. You're right. The effects aren't super great in these movies. We all know that. It's mostly Mm -hmm. about them standing around and delivering dialogue to each other. The action's not crazy until you get to this recent reboot. But um, all the questions are there. And again, uh, not just visually, and literally, is this a very inclusive tale? Like lots of different mm-hmm. act- looking actors and sounding actors 
have been on these movies and these series for a long time. Drink that beer. Um, <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Shotgun in that? What you... <laughs> yeah, what the hell just happened? Just Let's talk it. about this. I want to know what you guys think about this. Um, again, it's, just, it's, it's, hard not to, it's hard not to think about Star Wars when you think about Star Trek and just the foils, the differences between the two. One, I think, I think Star Trek is more straight sci-fi and Star Wars is more fantasy. Um, we, we have to mention that JJ Abrams fucking rebooted both of these. Like we have to, we have to point that out. So why does Star Trek work so much better for me? Star Trek, his Star Treks are way better for me than his Star Wars reboots. Like they're not even in the same world. And I think it goes back to that uh, argument I was making about how he was, he was still pulling on the sentiment and nostalgia from the original Star Wars, but trying to do something new that didn't quite work, as opposed to just going straight back to the original story of Star Trek and asking the same questions, because those questions are inexhaustible. There's, there's is no it, way. Is we'll it that, or is it them. that you don't like black and white in your bad guys? And good guys, because Star Wars is straight down the line. These are your bad guys. These are your good guys. Well, that's a, Whereas Star Star Trek is definite straight shades of gray. Like the, the good I mean, guys that, that sometimes fuck up. And Khan, you at some point you start rooting for Khan. Yeah, yeah. Because this guy has been That close up where he sheds the tear. Benedict Cumberbatch, you know. Yeah. Remember? I mean, uh, but you're you're totally right. And maybe that is one reason why it just doesn't lend itself as well because of the fantasy versus the sci-fi. Sci-fi can't have those kinds of black and whites. It's, it's the existentialism can't be asked in black and white. There's too much mm. relativity. So you're right. Maybe maybe it really is just that. Maybe it just well, frustrates I mean, me that the rules to, of fantasy like, didn't to, work well for him. I mean, Star Wars even acknowledges it's only it's it's own rules. It's like there's an Obi Wan quote: "Only evil deals in absolutes." Mm. Uh, yeah. So it contradicts itself. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> um, or it points out well. its flaw. One of the two. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars is the Bible of, of sci-fi. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. You're totally right. Thank you for calling me out on that. I do. I've actually, before we did this, for no reason having to do with this podcast at all, my roommate and I have re- referenced him before in the Lord of the Rings. Al, Al! shout out to Al. He's been a Star Trek fan I, his I whole life. I nearly pulled Al in a ring. I was nearly going to pull Al in as a ring. I time. know. I kind of wanted me him too. to come I, in on this I episode. I wish I could have, but we're so yeah, we're so far away. Though. Anyway, we miss you, Al. Um, he he definitely showed me these years ago, and I was getting more into him with him, and you know, he gently had I to watch kinda, the series with him. And yeah, too. he had to kind of bring me in because I'm like you, Jeff. I didn't really watch these growing up, and I always felt like, why I don't get it the production value is bad i don't get it i don't get it so anyway recently i've been rewatching some of the old series and i've been crushing the next generation series and you're totally right dave it's the fact that none of this lives in virtuosic not virtuosic worlds of virtues of the, the efficacy is too malleable and that's what makes it so interesting is because mm. it's always going to be a thought experiment. It's never going to come down to good versus evil, bad guy versus good guy. Every bad guy in every one of these movies, or bad woman or bad girl, Kim Cattrall in The Undiscovered Country, everyone yeah. has a point. Everyone, here we go, I'm going to bring it back to Star Trek, the whole reason, every one of them has a right to exist according to the Prime Directive. So how do you go about solving the dilemma mm. over who gets to live in a certain way and every they keep running up against it over and over and over again and that that question is just inexhaustible i could and watch it for, this is forever. where i'll kick in because i like i started yeah. with uh next generation and went back to the original so i mean i saw star trek in the theaters and i was a kid i thought it was great and then i saw wrath of khan and it scared the shit out of me because those fucking yeah. earworm things 
Like I do oh, not want you thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, it's getting on me. Um, and the con that, gal. God, that was, the, that was the only. That's been. Let's all do so many it. Times Let's all do it. God. It's so good. Anyway, I look forward to removing those clips. But yeah, it was. Next Generation was where I kicked in with the series. And then um, when they announced that they were doing a seventh movie after um, it was like number six, uh, I actually went to a marathon in the cinema and they started nice. at six o'clock in the morning. You sat through Star Trek 1, Star Trek 2, Star Trek 3, Star Trek 4. Everyone slept through Star Trek 5. <laughs> and then we went on to Star Trek 6. And it was to celebrate the script being locked for Generations. And Generations takes what we were saying earlier and with the uh, the existentialism and basically goes, what if you were given everything you ever wanted ever? How hard would you fight to get back to that? Or how hard would you fight yep. to keep it? Yeah. I don't know. Let's ask Donald Trump. I'm sorry, what? Uh, <laughs> that's Come! the T word. And... Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> But then, like, they moved on to which was my, uh, and I'm, I, this is quite a controversial opinion, but number eight, uh, First Contact, is my favorite movie I, of the dude, series. Dude, I watched that one no. like three weeks ago by coincidence before we made this list. I loved it. I loved yeah, it. Was the next um, one I was going to watch. It was direct, directed by Jonathan, Jonathan Frakes, who was Commander yep. Riker. Yep. Um, and it was a masterstroke getting him to direct this film because it comes out so beautifully you like granted it does like like all of them it lends itself to the series it takes it a little bit from the series it's, it's the um, first it's the first to, movie to set with, up the premise it's the first movie with the new generation isn't it um no generations was the, the first one with the next generation i thought that i thought that um, was crossed i thought first contact was the first one it was with a crossover only, yeah yeah, yeah but so that was that was the handover film first but it was contact is, is straight up next generation yeah yeah um and First Contact features the Borg, which was, in yep. my opinion, the best villain ever introduced ever in the history of Star Trek. Uh, because these guys are merciless. They just turn up and go, you're mine now and take your shit and in like assimilate you and assimilate, you're part yeah. of their collective. But again, as with all Star Trek villains, they're just doing what they do. Right. They're striving for perfection. And they're striving for f- perfection by taking your distinctiveness and adding it to their own. Mm-hmm. They even say it in their intro. Mm-hmm. Like they have a they have a rider when they turn up. It's like we're the Borg. We're going to do this. Yeah. And but that's the thing. Then then that sets up, in my opinion, the perfect movie because Picard is flawed from the beginning. He's the, the Patrick leader. Stewart. Everybody, yes. Patrick Stewart. Yeah, he is flawed because he's been abducted by these guys and made into a Borg. So he can hear what they think. Well, he and has the, he has he has, he this has an emotional response them. to it, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's got PTSD from this yeah. shit. Yeah, so he's not doing so good. And they end up back in time, and it sets up some of the best comedy ever because it's a complete never meet your heroes moment. Because in the entire history of the series, we finally get to meet Zephram Cochran, who is the guy who created the first warp drive, and this guy is a fucking drunk and a loser. Mm-hmm. And it's James Cromwell. James mm-hmm. Cromwell. In my opinion, one of his yeah. best roles ever, and he does not want the fame that they kind of let slip that he has. He wants none of it. Um, they even managed to slip Magic Carpet Ride in this movie mm-hmm. as a song. Um, it's got androids striving, like fighting their want for emotion, and then being given exactly what they want. And then, do I really want that? Uh, because this is kind of going too far. It's like everything in this You're movie right. is flawless. It's got You're... action. It's got emotion. There's, there's cameos galore in this film if you yeah. refer back to the series. It 
in my opinion, is the perfect action sci-fi film. And it's, I think it's a perfect example of what it's, it's such an essential Star Trek film because it makes you, that premise creates the dilemma where you think it might slip into a different, a different kind of Star Trek movie because Picard has so much, so much of an emotional response to these people. Is he going to defeat them simply because he is convinced they are evil and it rises above it. It finally lands when it finally gets to that last conversation between him and her, Borg. Mm, yeah. It finally, when it only when he overcomes his fear, does he actually arrive at a Star Trek conversation? And he finally gets to yeah. have a Star Trek conversation with her. And only together can they reason with the fact that they will not be able to coexist. You know what I mean? Like it's it's oh yeah. god, it's just it's just so essential. It's not. It, yeah. It's it, I love these two also, because I, I should I should point out as well. Christopher Lloyd was in both these franchises. Yes, he was. Where was Lloyd? I mean, Christopher Lloyd was the um was uh, Kang. No, not Kang. Um, the he's a Klingon in uh, Khan. Yeah, he's a Klingon Khan. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. It's a very memorable role. Um. Yes. Yeah. So, what do you think about this? Like, how do we how do we talk about the fact that it's just it's just another good example that you can have everyone can do these things differently, and there might not be any method. I mean, there might not be any reason why something works and something doesn't work that is discernible enough to have a conversation about it. We had the almost opposite conversation about Lord of the Rings. It's why fantasy works so well when it's done so well is that it does rely on virtue, ethics, morality. Or, or excuse me, virtue and morality, not ethics, not complex relative ethics. It doesn't have anything to do with the existentialism. The orcs are supposed to die. It doesn't matter if they had a wife and kids. Those fuckers are supposed to fucking <laughs> die. Stormtroopers are supposed to fucking die. But every time they get into fights with Klingons, especially since half of this entire franchise is separated with a peace treaty, where half mm. of the franchise, they are in peace, and the other half, they are not. You can't come across somebody new in Star Trek and not immediately start thinking like the Star Trek crew. You do not think about get your phasers and put them on kill. You immediately are yeah. curious about how are they possibly going to be included in the Federation of Planets? I don't know. I just do. Hmm. What do you guys think? Do you think it, this? It, it, which no, one do you think? Through, which one do you think? Experience it instills a set of values in you. Yeah. Is that why, and don't you think that is why Star Trek, and I know we're not talking about the original series, but Star Trek in general had so much impact on the technology and engineering of future technology in our real world? I mean, I still stand by the next generation called the invention of iPads. Yep. They told their tablets that they took everywhere. They yeah. absolutely did. Yeah. Uh, the Bluetooth, they use fucking wireless and Bluetooth comm like all the time. Yeah. Mm. Because everything's better with Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but specifically that like you can't have you can't you can't start moving forward into space age exploration and thinking about technology. I know we are, everyone already knows this, but you couldn't be thinking about going to the moon and having an international space station. If you weren't in the same mindset that Star Trek represents, it's not good versus evil. It's that there is no future if we don't work together. Yeah. Unlike Star yeah. Wars, which is 
there is no future if well, one of is, us exists. It is it is a vision of society in the future where mankind has overcome their differences and they all yeah. work together to go out into the stars and explore. And it, it's a vision to boldly a go vision out of humanity where no they man has gone before. <laughs> where, no, where no one has no gone before. No one has gone also, before. Also, where intelligence rules. <laughs> Intelligence, science, it, it has a nerdy, it has a nerdy connotation because no, totally I don't right. think, I don't think that the the jocks like Biff are going to be the ones uh, uh, engineering the Enterprise in three hundred. I know you're right. right. Al, Al said it best. I'm going to quote Al, and then I'll promise I'll shut up. I talk too much. Al said, "It's a universe where scientists are the heroes." Yeah, exactly. Like, just yeah. like, just like just 2020 like, during the COVID yeah, outbreak. Like right now, yeah. Like right fucking <laughs> now. I know one of our friends texted me the other day, Jeff, one of our mutual friends, and she was like, "Who knows? Maybe we'll come out of this where truth and reason and science will prevail." <laughs> I was like, "Star Trek." <laughs> That's all I texted yeah. her back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right guys uh, yeah, okay we've gushed was... enough i trekked out real yeah. hard i loved it yeah but now, i, I now, trekked now, out now more comes, than i thought now comes the the hard yeah jeff i am curious real fast before we end this you you were not a huge trek fan in anything other than these reboots was did you have a good time watching these older movies not the first one but two and six I definitely did. Okay, cool. <laughs> on that note <laughs> yeah. when we come back we are going to be deliberating one of these will be moving forward is either going to be the star trek franchise or a fan favorite, Back to the Motherfucking Future. We'll be right back. And we're back! We're back. We're back, bitches. This is it. This is the final segment where we will be deliberating. You heard right. Okay. We're all very nervous. We all had a little bit of anxiety leading up to this. I think Dave and I yeah, maybe more this, than Jeff. There's going to be some hate mail. Yeah, we're going to get go we're gonna get trash. We're going to let Jeff go first because he seems to be the least anxious. I have a feeling. Let me hear it. I'm going to go first. And I'm not going to lie to you. I, I never was the kind of person who thought like, oh, I love all three Back to the Futures. Back to the Future, one, two, three. I love two. I love three. I, I really, I, it, for me, it was like one and the other two. Um, but this week, especially watching all three in a row, there's no question for me. It is Back to the Future. Now, I do, of course, as I said earlier in the podcast, I do have an affinity for Star Trek and everything that it represents and everything that it um Everything that when that when it does right is fantastic, but there are some things about it that are that are nerdy for me. And I've seen Game of Thrones ten times all the way through, not season seven and eight, of course. Buzz. God damn it! I, no, but, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna buzz uh, you for Nazis seven and, and Parkinson's, dude. Come on, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I did not make a Parkinson's joke. Pure Get the fuck evil. off my back! It was not Pure a Parkinson's evil. joke. It was an accent joke. Anyway. Oh, Anyway, there are, there are I chose intentionally thanks to you guys the finer Star Treks to go back and watch, but there are especially one man. There are some things about the series that just that just don't they just don't hang up. They just don't care. They just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else, Dave? Um, Dave, how do you say the opposite of live long and prosper? Is there is there a Vulcan <laughs> translation? I think it's. I think it's, I think it's Fuck you and die. Fuck off and die, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. You turn it upside down. You turn the V upside down. And you tell them to go fuck themselves. 
No, it's, it's unreal. Really Ram, you're you crushing their face at the same time. <laughs> Anything else I want to hear? What else? Were there any other reasons why you go, decided go, to go, go that way? Um, did it surprise? I'm curious about how it surprised you. I want to hear you talk a little bit more about that, about how you liked, you were surprised at how much you enjoyed the Back to the Futures. Was that, I'm curious, just for context for the listeners, did you watch the Star Treks first and then you watched the Back no. to the Futures? I actually was watching them at the same time, more or less, because I knew that the the house I was in would probably want to watch Back to the Future more. Right. So Back to the Future was more of my evening movie watching, whereas during the day, this is quarantine, so I, believe it or not, had patches of day to watch movies, was my Star Trek time for the most part. So if this, if that is my influence, you Trekkies out there, fine. Um, but, but I like the Star Treks that I saw, especially two and six and, I, and eight was going to be my next one, which I also would have enjoyed, but ultimately you the missed world, eight? the world, was, I really, d- God damn it. <laughs> there was some really good plot work. Ultimately the world itself, I don't always want to live in where, and back to, yeah. So anyway, back to the future just did a, it did a better nostalgia trip on me and that's that. Nice. Cool. Well, that's that. He knew his fucking answer, Dave. What, how are you feeling, dude? Are you even feeling anxious like me leading up to this? I uh, I agonized over this shit for about five hours. Um, and it's really funny because, I mean, you know I have the infamous scores. <laughs> yes. Uh, with the, yeah, we, yeah. With, with the X's. Um, yeah, he raised his axes down. Yeah, I, I, uh, I... Star Trek came in with a 25. Wait, 25. is this even fair? There's hold on, wait a second. There's 13 Star Treks. I would hope it has more X's because that's two per movie. That's bad. <laughs> and I mean, Back to the Future. Uh huh. Came in with the 26. Oh All right, so Back but to the Future. Oh, I'm going against this because Back to the Future are three movies that I've seen multiple times, many, many times. And I own them on a Blu-ray that's somewhere back in Australia, and I can't bring it here because of different regions. Fuck you, copyright. And uh, but Star Trek, like if I'm gonna sit down and uh, this was the thing that sold it for me. If, I, if I'm gonna go, oh, I want to watch a movie, and I have a choice of watching any of the Back to the Future movies or Star Trek, I'm putting on First Contact, and I'm mm-hmm. watching First Contact. That Not is Back to the Future One. No, no, Star Trek in my opinion is, is and now don't get me wrong because the idea of this podcast is to tell people to watch these things while they're stuck in quarantine. Now I'm going to tell you, uh, this comes with some caveats um, because when you get to the Star Treks, if you decide to watch them, you can skip number five. <laughs> skip number five. Yeah. Skip number five for anyone who's wondering. And skip that number is 10. the final frontier. <laughs> Skip the final frontier and skip. Uh, number Nemesis, five is directed. Nemesis is pretty rough. Number ten, yeah, that is a pretty bad one. Nemesis sucks ass. That, and that one came out when we were Jesus. like in high school, Jeff. You and I, you didn't see that in the theater, Nemesis. That one came no, out when we were no, like, what year was that? Um, that was yeah, like two thousand two. Now, now, okay, let me just clarify this. Like Star Trek Five, Final Frontier, they come across uh, Spock's until now non-mentioned brother who decides... Oh, that just slipped everybody's yeah, mind? Yeah, that, yeah, we kind of forgot he was there. Uh, and then sure. suddenly, you know, I got served with a warrant and found out that, oh, yeah, there's a son. And, uh, sure. and he decides to go to the center of the universe in search for God. 
and it i mean Wait, he's in guardians of the galaxy too he didn't see guardians of the galaxy too. <laughs> he would have found god you also didn't, you didn't see kurt russell and, uh, <laughs> you, didn't, anyway. you didn't see him so and, i created earth like wait you're god he's like yeah it's like oh that was like, simple that was easy this movie oh is so god. bad they like they get uhura to do a fan dance to distract everyone it's it's like why a was dance? that necessary oh, yeah, Uhura. God, you're, I love wait, her, dude. But you're, so you're, okay, so don't so you're advancing this trilogy. Uh, wait, 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 wait. This, 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 I'm, ad- I'm advancing this trilogy, ba- trilogy based on 11 movies, not... Uh, he's not bitter about movies. it. He's bitter about it, but he's doing it. I need it. to get this out of my system because, <laughs> okay. for fuck's sake, what the fuck were you doing putting William Shatner in charge of directing a movie? It's because he directed uh, yeah. They wanted Final to see Frontier. what would happen. <laughs> don't you kind of want to and see now, what would okay, happen? Now, let me get this. Let me get this. Okay, that, but that pales in comparison to Star Trek Nemesis. Like, stop, for God's sake, stop at nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Insurrection. Do not load up Star kids. Trek Nemesis. It's so bad and out of character, it ended the entire franchise. This movie could have been 80 minutes long. It's two hours. It is really bad. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. And I, I must admit, like, I also wasn't a fan, really, of the third alternate reality, the new Star Trek series. Uh, Justin Lin's one because every time they introduce off-road vehicles into these things, it sucks. Off-road vehicles, but none fell out of planes and landed on the planet. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> Fast and the Furious, Joe. Yeah, but Star Trek Ten for just as a caveat before I put this through, uh, because I'm gonna because the, I'll go into those reasons in a second. But Star Trek Ten <laughs> was so bad it oh my took. God. Tom- Why do you say this during the start? It. <laughs> I'm just okay. Yeah, cool. It. Go ahead. No, finish. Finish. It took Tom. It took, Go ahead. I had to drink the beer. The buzzer went off. I follow the rules, Jeff. It took Tom <laughs> Hardy's career way too strong. six oh years to recover from being the villain in Nemesis. He yeah. thought it was going to be his big breakout role. It took him six years to get another decent role, and it effectively ended Stuart Baird's directing career. Uh-huh. The man did not direct a thing after this, although he did go on to edit Skyfall. <laughs> But he also, he did recuts on, let me, this is a great bit of trivia, did recuts on Lara Croft Tomb Raider for Paramount in order to get the directing job on Star Trek Nemesis. But he also did recuts on Mission Impossible 2, which is the worst entry in the Mission Impossible <laughs> franchise. So really should have given you a fucking clue as what was going to happen. God, that is definitely the worst Mission Impossible franchise. So Dave, long, Dave's never heard long, of, Dave's never long, heard of uh, Second Chances. In long story short, um... Star Trek is a franchise that goes right back to my youth. I have a soft spot for all of these films. They are very, very well made. Yeah. Except for those two. And like, it was a tough call to put it up again. And I, I, I swear to God for about four hours this afternoon, I was leaning towards back to the future and putting back to the future through. But from my own personal perspective, Star Trek has been a massive influence in my life and I cannot in good conscience ignore that and put through three films that are fun to watch but really are just three films that are fun to watch uh, all right so we're Shall one I? and one i had a feeling this was going to happen and this is why this is why i asked to go last now i'm even more conflicted though because i thought you both were going to vote for <coughs> back to the future and i was going to be very nervous because I too, Dave, I've been sitting here. I've been very nervous this whole week thinking about this. 
don't tell me you're gonna advance Star Trek. I just drank the entirety of a nine point one percent beer just bagging out some films. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Let me just let me just I'm just opening another one really quickly. <laughs> just because. All right, so God, Back to the Future is awesome. Like, it there's is. Just, yeah. There's just no way around it's, it, I right? Mean, like, yeah. I mean, back to that's the, the thing. I, had, I bagged out two films from my own franchise. Yeah. Instead of those films, because when, like, I, like, as I said, I have two categories when I do this. Mm-hmm. And I have, like, basically, I, I do the X's, which no one seems to understand. I get a lot of mockery for. <laughs> Whenever and, he uh, likes something, he makes an X. And yeah. then I have a good section, a bad section mm-hmm. as well. And it, it, in the bad section of Back to the Future, there is only one thing, there's only one note for me. So and I think I think I know what call. you mean. Yeah, it is a tough call, and I, I feel the same way. And I, honestly, like leading up to this conversation, I I wasn't decided at all. I knew I needed to hear both of you guys come at me. I wanted to hear. Did the I convince you? I was really going for it. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> so honestly, like, I wanted to hear what you guys were talking about. And th- I know it's obvious, but this reminds me of our Star Wars conversation. Like we bagged on we bagged on Star Trek quite a bit. Uh, Back to the Future. I agree with you, Jeff. I did surprise. It surprised me how much, as time goes by, how much I enjoy each of them. Because when I was young, I did not enjoy two and three nearly as much as number one. Same, same, same. I definitely liked, as I got older, I appreciated two more and more and more because it's a little bit more of a head trip. It's a little bit more complicated. Uh Three is a lot of sentiment. And I just, I struggle with sentimentality. I just, I don't know. It makes me nervous. It feels like they're starting to lean on the the crutch of sentimentality a little bit. It's still extremely enjoyable. I still stand by what I said in the first section. There is a lot of enough character development that you care enough about these people that you don't mind that it's sentimental. But I'm going to quote one of my good friends and podcast co-hosts. Star Trek just matters more. Oh, get it the just fuck out of here. Matters it's for Jeff. That one's for Jeff. I don't yeah, know that's if it for does you, Jeff. More, fuck Darth. you, Jeff. That's for you, motherfucker. I don't think. Wait, I don't think it matters more at all. There's no way if they showed Star Trek uh, the motion picture on the lawn in fucking Bryant Park that thousands of people would show up and be like, the fuck lawn? yeah, no, no, no. Drugs, I'm gonna use your exact. Movie. I'm gonna use your exact argument against you because you're totally. You were right with Star Wars, and you're right with this as well. Back to the Future is tighter. There's less movies, of course. So it's hard to compare the franchises. Like I, I know that is a flaw in this week's comparison and like whether we, whether or not we like it. But there is a reason why Star Trek and Star Wars have prevailed for decades and decades and decades. And it's because of the cultural impact they have had on everyone. It's because of the universe they create. It's because of the fact that when we were talking about in the second segment of this podcast, when we were talking about the movies, we kept... We kept spinning back and just talking about what the universe and what the show, the movies, and everything about Star Trek did culturally and did for sci-fi, for the genre of sci-fi. Yeah, but it's not just the movies, though. The series did a lot of that work for them. They took the best parts of the series and put them into the movie. It's true. I'm not. What? I'm not. I'm not proud of this decision. This is a really hard it decision. It depends on both of you. And until we were mid podcast, I was leaning towards Back to the Future. I talked myself into Star Trek. Yeah. Like I overrode yeah. my own scoring system. I mean, I think. I think I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm gonna go for Star Trek only because. Look. Only because. Mostly also because the context of this conversation, which is, kind of the thing I was trying to yell at you guys about with Star with Star Wars. 
we are not just having just for every all the listeners we're not just saying what are literally the best individual movies no matter how many of them there are we're talking about a corona franchise we're talking about being stuck at home in what worlds do you want to live in for a long period of time i think more people would choose back to the future personally yeah, but for our podcast i'm talking about what i like to... i think star yeah, trek yeah, yeah. i think watching these star trek movies i think watching these star trek movies could finally open the door for a lot of people to the Star Trek universe and cross over the precipice that you were talking about earlier, Jeff. I also used to be one of those people who just did not get the Star Trek world. And I felt excluded. I didn't understand it. And now that I'm a part of both the Star Wars and the Star Trek world, it's 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 increased all of the things Congra- that you think. Congratulations. I'm glad you got your certification. Jeff, Jeff is better. We need a bitter alarm. I think, <laughs> guys, I, I, no, because now this isn't. Now this is going to move on, and I've only seen six out of the thirteen of these fucking movies, and now I have to talk about them all over again. <laughs> yeah, watch eight and ten. Oh, I'm a, no, no, fucking, I'm, watch, I'm oh, watching. Myself. I'm okay. watching five. I'm only watching five. I, mean, I think 10. we That's should just. We should just go balls deep, and we should put fucking you, Star Trek balls against deep. Star against Star Wars. We should just fucking do it. We should be the I'm ones who actually have that conversation. Dude, no, the internet well, cannot take that. Yeah, we should just well, do it. Re- no, because we're we have to re- well we have to reseed everything after, because of we'd Dave's have to have a fifty we'd have week. to have a fucking fifty Zoom person Zoom chat Dave's, to do that. Dave's fucking Dave's fucking X test created a virtual tie. <laughs> we should so invite. We should we invite, have- dude. We should do that, and we should invite the internet to Star Wars versus Star Trek. We should let everyone come in on a Zoom conversation. Not they can't hear us. They can't hear the podcast, or they can hear the podcast. We can't hear no, them. They can just no. type at us. Wait, no, people are just going to go on Zoom just to moon us and streak us, like all those. Uh, I mean, that's that are also fun. No, I'm not, I don't want to see anybody on Zoom. <laughs> Well, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. I love Back to the Future so much. How did Back to the Future lose? You guys are fucking insane. <laughs> it's not oh like it God. lost to. It's not like it lost to. To Die Hard, dude. It lost to. It lost to something like Star Wars. There's something about Star Trek that matters more. It lost to more. something that has such a a bigger IP. That would be like losing to the SpongeBob movie because SpongeBob matters more. And it's like, well, I mean, the thing is, that, let me ask you we're this: We're not then. judging for the world. We're judging on what we personally like. And we're just judging right now under these really circumstances. Enjoy Star Trek. I've enjoyed them for many, many, many years, and I've seen these films so many times. Like I can tell you what happens in any one of these films. Possibly here's the, here's the difference. Not Star Trek Nine. Yeah, it's a bit. Yeah. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. <laughs> and, and I think you would agree with it because Star Wars is similar, but I think Star Trek is even more so. My feelings about Back to the Future exist exclusively when I'm watching Back to the Future. My feelings about Star Trek and the way they make me feel about existential questions, the sci-fi genre. Um, different styles of storytelling. Yeah, we. Yeah, I think. No, we know. We, I we think it goes. It goes beyond individual movies. No, it has we, bled we into your life. I heard your rant when Dave tried to talk, and you had a ten-minute rant about how great Star Trek is. No, I get it. I get it. All right, Star Trek is going on. Just for the we record, Jeff Foster Miller hates Star Trek. Jeff, Jeff just, just hates it when we agree. <laughs> Look, just because Joel Cohen wrote the entire Star Trek series. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. 
I do want to say I am very sorry about this. I I love still for Joe Back Cohen. to the Future. Nobody cares. They already they're already sticking the middle fingers out to all of you. That's okay. That's okay. I can't do. I can't. Yeah. So that's the deal. That's what's happening. It's two to one. Star Trek has crushed, stamped, right. trampled on Jeff's Back to the Future vote. Jeff, go fuck yourself. Right. Back to the Future isn't standing a chance. You can go back to 1915 oh, and date your mom all and, you want. No, I'm not Jeff, going back Jeff, and it. Jeff, you can take confidence in the fact that we were both on the fence when this started and we both yeah. talked ourselves to be, into to, Star Trek. To be fair, I don't really I don't really care about Back to the Future that much anyway. I just really don't want to have to watch all these Star Trek movies. Also, it was supposed to go up against Toy Story or John Wick and now I don't even know what to do anymore. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, guys, let's make it happen. Two weeks. Star Wars versus Star Trek. That would be ridiculous. I've ruined Jeff. <laughs> well, right, everybody, this has, been a, this has been a really interesting episode. With a lot of abuse. <laughs> I'm feeling quite tipsy. Feel, Jeff, Jeff, what are we going to be doing next week, dude? That was a rough episode. Guys, I'm still am reeling. I'm tingling. Fucking, <laughs> I am fucking excited about next week. Oh, shit. Next week is the one where we were doing <laughs> yeah, the seeding this for is these. Ridiculous. And we were, when we decided we were going to reseed, we were like, let's make sure these seeds are right. And we're like, maybe actually it'll work out better if they're random. Up They're up against random um movies so the harry potter movies were obviously going to be on it and we were like is it a six i don't know is it some people think it's better some people maybe lower and then we realized that harry potter was up against die hard <laughs> and just the idea of comparing <laughs> harry potter to die hard literally we said okay we're keeping this we're keeping this seating as it is so that's right with john mcclain versus harry potter john mcclain <laughs> that's so right bitch. versus how however many they've made of die hard Oh, oh my yeah, exactly. god, it's so good. What are there, five? I've seen With a Vengeance at least 15 times. I, I mean, yeah, dude, me it's me going to be a tough me one too. next week, you guys. I no, love I'm the, same. I've seen the Die Hard movies, movies dude. Once again, I'm going to be anxious all week because I fucking love both of these series. I don't even want to have to choose, yeah. dude, for completely different reasons. Odd. One is with my heart. The other is with my nether regions. And I don't really right. know <laughs> which one. All right, all right, all right. All right. You'll hear more about it. You'll hear more about it next week. Jeff, John, and Dave saying peace out. Hope Live long and prosper, motherfuckers. Party. Star Trek. Oh, my God. Ah. He's seen the movie, so now he's a Vulcan. Great. <laughs>